Ladies and gentlemen, this is David Mercatani with Matt Chat. Today I am joined by the King of the Cage title holder at 135, 145, 155, and 160 pounds, Juan Archuleta. Juan, welcome to the show. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No worries, man. Um, happy to have you on. Uh, your story is an interesting one. I think a lot of people don't know it. And um, that's what we like to do here on the show is is give people an alternate view of things. So, um, you know, we're going to probably end up going to the end and telling everybody what you're doing now. But I always like to start at the beginning and just ask you, how did you get started in wrestling? Yeah, absolutely. My, um, you know, growing up, I have five older brothers, you know, who wrestled. And uh, my dad wrestled as well, being a, a high school athlete. He did multiple sports. And the last sport he did was wrestling. And when he had all these boys, he wanted to, you know, how to get all their energy out of them. So he took them into the wrestling room and uh, Victorville High School, where Dan Henderson was from, and, you know, started a kids club called the California Jets. And, you know, we had a lot of good wrestlers coming out of our kids club. And, uh, you know, that, that being some of my brothers and myself. And, uh, you know, so I started wrestling before I could even walk. And uh, throughout that time of growing up wrestling, my dad had, uh, John Azevedo had started coaching at Calvary Chapel and we had made the move to Orange County and, uh, my brothers would wrestle at a, at a Calvary Chapel. And, you know, my dad kind of pulled the reins out on me and, uh, you know, made me want to wrestle instead of forcing me to wrestle. But, um, uh, you know, growing up watching my brothers wrestle and, you know, just traveling our whole lives and being at wrestling tournaments, I wanted nothing more than to wrestle. So I put the time in and, you know, I would show up to practices, you know, without my parents knowing and, uh, you know, just try to get as best as I can being under the tutelage of uh, John Azevedo. And, um, you know, then my dad really started, you know, up in the ante and being able to take me to different places throughout, you know, my later years in elementary and the beginning of junior high. Yeah, it's an interesting story with, you know, usually guys that are the youngest brother are, you know, a lot of times the studs because, you know, they took a lot of beatings as kids. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's just, yeah. that's, that's probably a universal truth for the most part. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you, you mentioned Coach Azevedo. Um, who were some of the other guys that were really instrumental in your career in, at the high school level? Oh, man, you know, he had a lot of great wrestlers coming out of there, you know, Shannon Dane Valdez, uh, Joey Calavita, um, Ty Wilcox, you know, just a lot of his wrestlers being around that, that atmosphere was huge for me, you know, because they were all, you know, eight, uh, five to eight years older than I was. So I looked up to them a lot and they would, you know, they would beat me up a lot and I would come in and watch wrestling practice and I'd be able to jump on the mat and, you know, get beat up by these guys and, you know, I came from, you know, Victorville where Dan Henderson, you know, uh, wrestled at and, uh, Blair Green and we had a Victorville, uh, Victorville won California State tournament here. And, uh, so we had great wrestlers growing up around us. And, you know, I was always inspired by guys like that to be able to take my wrestling to the next level as well. Yeah. I think those are the guys that, you know, I've talked to a lot of guys and, you know, somebody has to go first, right? Like somebody has to be great first, but once, yeah. once you're around greatness and once it's local, right? Like, you know, I think like if you're at Ohio State and Kyle Snyder's in your room, you're like, okay, I, you know, not that he doesn't work, you know, amazingly hard, but he's yeah. a human being, right? Like, you know, he puts yeah. his shoes on one at a time. And so when you can get around guys like that, and especially the younger you are in life, that's so great because it helps guys really. The, the goals become much more tangible. So, yeah, absolutely. so I know you went to college at Purdue and, um, you know, I know a little bit about your career, but tell me a little bit about, uh, your career there and what were some of the skills that you learned there that eventually, you know, helped you get ready for, uh, MMA? Yeah. Being at Purdue, you know, it, it was just, you know, my whole life growing up around guys like Mark Munoz and, you know, uh, Ty Wilcox, Joe Kelly, guys that went to had some um, great accomplishments, you know, uh, on the mat. They've always told me, like, oh, you know, your first year you're going to get beat up. You know, you probably won't get a takedown depending on how tough the room is. So going into college, I had that mindset of, of I wasn't going to be in a ragdoll. I wanted to go in there, wrestle with the best guys that were in the room and, you know, take it to them right away. And so, 
going in there with that mindset, being prepared, uh, you know, it, it definitely helped me. Uh, guys like Chris Bleager, Jake Pataxel, uh, those guys were my weight class, and being able to wrestle with those guys every day got me to where, you know, my wrestling just took off, and I was able to compete with the best guys in the country, um, you know, barely – Losing to guys like Reese Humphrey in overtime or beating guys like, um, you know, that were top, top 10 in the country, you know, Alex Crum at the time. And, you know, just guys that I was always in the top 20. Um, it, it, those guys got me ready to be able to compete with the best in the country. You know, my time at Purdue, uh, had the best riders, Flieger, uh, Coach Flieger and Jake Picasso were, um, cause that's where I, you know, being from California, I had, I had good, good, you know, stand up. You know, uh, my my takedowns were were just as good as you know the best in the country. But my ground, you know, getting out top, top bottom wrestling was you know kind of lacked. And once I got there, uh, Jake Tax would put the you know he he would get your wrist, and there there was no getting out. You know, same thing with Flieger. He get that those bar arms and those halves, and they'll start cranking on you, and you know, basically almost rip your shoulder off. So. I learned every day how to how to escape from those guys, and you know, never gave up too much riding time or anything in my career. You know, we had Jake on the show, you know, uh, last fall, and he's a really cerebral dude. You know, he looks yeah. at the sport a little bit differently. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but he was obviously known for that top game, and I think, you know, there's, I think a lot of people, you know, understand that like Greco is a really good style for fighting because the stance is more upright and. You know, you learn from there. But I think people maybe don't quite understand how good folk style is if you rode. I mean, if you were just to take down, let him up guy, you know, it's it's a little different because, you know, riding is or mat control in fighting is so important. So I would imagine that a lot of the lessons you learn from those guys, you can actually, you know, you're probably still applying to what you're doing now. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. Like the wrist ride. Being able to go into spiral riding and keeping the guy on the hip and riding the hips, uh, main, mainly for me is a is a wrist ride. I mean, guys, they, they you know they're like, oh, he's just gonna wrestle me and hold me down. It's just like I'm not gonna just hold you down. I'm gonna beat you. You know, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna send some elbows and stuff. Once I control those wrists and control, you know, I mean, like you said, it's it's if you if you were able to be a rider um, in college, it transitions so well into grappling because you know you could dictate where they're going and uh, being able to you know wrestle with with uh with jake pataxel and chris Flieger, i utilize a lot of what they did you know uh to me uh to these guys i'm wrestling or fighting now uh just being able to control frustrate them wear them down and they pretty much just give up <laughs> yeah 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 and you see that in wrestling too when people are getting uh ridden like um you know, uh, when Ryan Lane wrestled Derek Moore in the finals, it was pretty much like, oh man, whatever. <laughs> you know, uh, Derek Moore's in the turning him and Ryan couldn't get out and he, it was over from that. Yeah, turning's a, a different game because it's almost like, you know, it's nothing, 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 and then the dam breaks and then all of a sudden you're getting turns <laughs> left and right. You know, I think it's a physical break, but it's also a mental break, right? Like, yeah. yeah, this guy gets on top of me, and I'm going to fight you for a minute or two minutes, and then, man, this dude just keeps hammering away at my wrist. And then, you know, then you go over. So, yeah, yeah there's a – so it sounds like, obviously, you got a great, you know, great really not knowing it was going to be the next path in your career, but great training for fighting from those guys. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so when you left Purdue, what was the path that uh, took you to MMA? Well, man, it was uh, after my senior year. I got a call when I was training for, you know, some, some freestyle. I wanted to try to make the world team, but uh, I got a call from um, Gray Maynard's manager, Randall, and uh, asked if I could come down and do some wrestling with Gray because he was getting ready for a title fight against Frankie Edgar. So they needed someone that moved a lot and you know fast. And uh, so I went out there for his for his camp. And, um, you know, I told him, I don't know how to box or throw punches, but I'll, I'll do the best I can. And so I got creamed a couple of times, a couple of uppercuts that got sent right to my jaw that, you know, kind of woke me up. And I was like, oh, man, but I loved it, you know, because I would, uh, you know, there was times I got takedowns, and I was like, okay, sweet, and just rode them out. You know, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was 
crab riding and it was fire riding, risk control. You know, making them want to work to get up. You know, they liked it, so uh, I, I I felt like I got confident in what I was doing. I started educating myself more about the sport and realizing that a lot of great wrestlers, not even great wrestlers, just good wrestlers, were doing really well in MMA. And uh, and so after that, I went back and you know did some more wrestling. And then I moved back from Purdue to home. And, uh, you know, I kind of took a back seat because I had uh, my son. And um, I just started working. Wanted to start uh, wanted to start working and and uh, provide for my family. And so, uh, you know, kind of just spent, spent the day-to-day grind of wanting to, wanting to um, provide for my family. And then uh, I told my wife that I wanted to, I wanted to, uh, you know, start coaching or competing again. And so she said about time and I started coaching and then watching guys like Zahid Valencia and Anthony Valencia and, uh, um, I, I just got the, the, the drive and the energy to want to start, um, doing my own thing. And, uh, you know, my wife gave me the blessing to start fighting. And so, you know, and that took on a whole new realm of, of training and, you know, getting prepared for actual contact sport. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, we have obviously people that listen to this podcast are people that love wrestling. And, you know, I coach yeah. fighters. And, to you know, basically it's, what, three different sports in one, right? It's wrestling, it's jujitsu, oh, yeah. and then, you know, some form of Muay Thai or kickboxing, depending, you know, striking, big picture. And to me, yeah. you know, most wrestlers, if you're a good wrestler, jujitsu, at least basic jujitsu, is fairly easy to pick up, you know, especially yeah. submission defense, you know, if you're good at holding base and things like that. And striking, again, I think is, you know, the basics are pretty easy to pick up. I think yeah. wrestling is so hard to pick up because so much of what you do as a wrestler is just feel. Like, you know, oh, I, yeah. I leaned this way 5% because I knew – you are going to try to sweep or butterfly guard me or what, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and, you know, so do you see that where like when you first started doing jujitsu, you know, going to grappling submission, grappling classes, whatever term, you know, you guys use, did you feel like, you know, your initial wrestling skills and technique were, were really helpful in that area? Oh yeah. People would get really, really frustrated with the wrestling uh, mentality, you know, uh, especially the Big Ten wrestling mentality of pulling on your head, wearing you down. Um, you know, once you feel uh, you can gain back position and then start going again. And so wrestling has definitely been a strong foundation for fighting. Um, 18 and 1 as a pro fighter with seven world titles. Um, you know, just taking my time knowing that there's levels to fighting. Um you know, just like there is with wrestling, you know, you're not going to get a guy from junior high, just jump right into the college level and win nationals. It's just not going to happen, you know? Right. You know, sometimes you get the high school guys that go in there their first year and, and they, uh, coming out of high school, they win it. But, um, that's because now the whole evolution of training has changed. You know, you got high school wrestlers that can, um, practice with college wrestlers or practice with guys that are on the U.S. team. You know, back when I was in high school to even wrestle with a college guy was kind of, you know, you heard a handful of guys that did it, but now it just seems like the whole team does it that are great, you know, that, that you have great um, wrestlers or even like a four or five guys that are wrestling um, with the U.S. US um, team, you know, going to uh, traveling with them and being able to be part of the team at a young age. It's just the whole evolution of wrestling has taken off because of that, you know. And yeah. so that's it's all the RTC stuff, right? You know, yeah, all these yeah, guys the are, you know, cross training and sharing of techniques and. You know, I think, too, you know, I don't know exactly what time you started, but for a while, like, jiu-jitsu was this mystery to people, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, wrestlers figured out. But, you know, you watched a lot of wrestlers in the early stages of, like, the UFC times, you know, where they'd be beating the hell out of the guy and then extend an arm, and next thing you know, their arm barter triangled. And, yeah. you know, and the one thing that jiu-jitsu mentality, I think, is, is I'm not say better, but certainly different and an alternative is in wrestling, it's like, I think a lot of people think of it as you push me, I push you, whoever's stronger wins, or you pull, I yeah. pull. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu mentality is like, look, okay, well, I'm strong, stronger than me, and he's going to pull, so I'm just going to go with that leverage 
and use it against mm-hmm. him. And I think, yeah. you know, when you start getting your brain to think of the sport in both ways, I think that mentality can actually be really helpful in wrestling, especially if you're coaching guys or, you know, you're competing and you're not that physically strong yet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cause they're so lackadaisical with the grappling, like, you know, like you said, if he pulls me, I'm just going to go with them, you know, or they're just going to lay on their back. Um, and which is actually for wrestlers advantage because you could feel like when they're lazy and then they'll just move, you know, and then you're like, okay, you're going for something and you just pull out or you just reestablish position. Yeah. For when you got a wrestler on you and it's constant pressure, like I'm going to shove my, my forearm, like, you know, I'm a cross face. I'm going to, I'm going to be pushing on your head. I'm going to, you know, be doing something to try to stay active, you know, cause it's for us, we only have six minutes to, to get a takedown to win the match or, you know, to get a turn or, you know, so we got to constantly stay active. So yeah. that's the difference between the grappling and the wrestling mentality. And it, and it plays into the wrestling mentality a lot better. I mean, the only time I've lost, I've gotten uh, put in a triangle, and that's because I was, um, you know, panicked, uh, got caught in something. I wasn't a sh- uh I hadn't had a, a lot of grappling experience yet, and, you know, I just got caught in a triangle and didn't know, you know, just panicked through too many defenses out there and got choked out. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, the interesting about MMA or jiu-jitsu is, you know, there's more kill shots, right? Like, there's more ways – to catch a guy like, you know, if you're beating me uh, by, you know, nine or ten points in a wrestling match and all you have to do is not get pinned, that's yeah. relatively easy to, <laughs> to stop. Right. You know, like even if I'm on yeah. top of you, you need a whole base. Don't get cross faced, you know, even take a couple stalling calls, you know, but mm-hmm. in fighting, you got to yeah. keep moving. And these guys that yeah. are really good at submissions, that's all they want to do is help you create momentum. And then, mm-hmm. you know fake left go right those kind of things and i think that's the interesting part like you know you know i watch a lot of fights i know you fight and watch a lot of them too these people that don't really understand that have never done any of that they're like you should just hang out you're like no punched (laughs) in the face and you know all these other things it's it's not that simple right yeah 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 i get ridiculed about that all the time because i'm so even like after some of uh my fights some of the referees will be like all you had to do is just you know, you didn't have to keep attacking. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this guy's gonna, hey, if I sit still and wonder what this guy's going to do, I'm going to get knocked down. Like, I have to stay offensive because I know I'm leaving the dance. I'm, there's no way I'm going to stand there and just try to win out, uh, and win out a win. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to get my head kicked in. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah, you know, if I see thing. the opportunity to take someone down, I'm going to take them down. <laughs> yeah. And then that sport too, like, you know, the more active you are, the more money you make. And the key to being more active is taking the least amount of damage you can. So, mm-hmm. you know, it makes a lot of sense to be offensive and try to finish fights or at least be in dominant positions, you know, where mm-hmm. somebody's slapping your head while they're on their back. Really, you know, you can come back and mm-hmm. train the next day. So, yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that when I told people I was going to talk to you, that people asked me to talk to you about is that the show Kingdom. And, yeah. you know, for people that um you know love mma that shows great because i you know from what i see it's fairly realistic you know it's mm-hmm. not you know over the top um and i know you and joe stevenson were fighting consultants on that you know mm-hmm. tell me about that show and maybe like what's a story or two um you know from behind the scenes there that only guys like you would know about that have really left an impression on you oh yeah so when i decided to actually that, that kind of uh, helped me quit my job to start training full time. Um, Joe, Joe, Daddy Stevenson um, had got a call from um, Greg Jackson, who's out at uh, New Mexico, runs a great camp um, out in New Mexico with great fighters, um, legend, legend coach in, in, in MMA. Yeah, uh, for sure. You know, yeah, he's a huge, huge name. So he couldn't. They wanted him to be the MMA consultant. Um, but at the time, he couldn't do it because he has so many fighters that are constantly fighting. He said he had a great guy for the job who basically, you know, is um, he was his mentor for, and uh, and that being Joe Joe Stevenson. So Joe, at the time, um, you know, took the gig. Um, he started. Uh, he had talked to me and said, "Hey, if I got an opportunity for you to quit your job, 
um, would you take it? And I was like, well, as long as I could get an income coming in. Sure. Right? Yeah. yeah. You don't quit blind like I need a few more details. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> it's just the type of guy to just kind of hint around it <laughs> and tell you, not tell you straight up. So he likes to be around the bush. It's like, man, Joe, I don't know if I could just quit my job. <laughs> You know, I can't go work at In-N-Out Burger, right? <laughs> yeah, because at that time I'm only making like 250 a fight, you know, 250 to show, 250 to win. So the the and that's 250 dollars, you yeah, know. So yeah, it's not, yeah. It's not. It's like, man, I, I got to fight like once every week <laughs> to survive. You know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but this definitely helped out because it was, um, you know, making 200 dollars a day. You know, being a background. Being on the back, I started off being a background as per, at first, and I was able to train every every. Wow. Your phone's your phone's cutting out. So you said you are. I was able to train, and then your phone cut out. Something about yeah, so every. I'll, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So every every day we would sit there and train, and um, you know Hollywood is like a hurry up and wait. Yeah, and it's so, like the airport, right? Oh yeah, you got to get there two <laughs> hours before and just wait for you for your flight you know so same thing with uh with hollywood so we would i would utilize that time to you know do some personal training with joe stevenson and uh you know so growing into the into that i met the writer of the show and uh he swore up and down he knew me and i was like no i don't think i've ever met you before and he's like no i know you and i was like okay and uh and the next day he came up to me and he's like this is how i know you he was at my first fight and um it was crazy. I had my whole family there, a lot of the wrestlers that I was coaching, the high school kids, and um, they were just all, you know, loud. And I actually got knocked, got like flash knocked out. The first time I caught a knee to my face and like woke up in a single leg and ended up running <laughs> out the fight. And like just realizing it was a real fight, you're like, oh man, this is real. I take my head off. <laughs> so it, it changes your mind state. You know, you just you go from wrestling like. Okay, but start snapping on the guy and start working on and soon I took a hit in the face and stuff. I was like I was like, Okay, this is real this is a real fight. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's trying to kill me, you know. So he's like, This is where I know you from and because it, it was a good fight and uh, I fought a guy that was like sixteen and oh as an amateur but made his pro debut. And then um so uh after I uh he said that he's like, you know, we would love to keep you on and uh maybe hire you on as well with Joe Daddy as a co MMA consultant. Joe was like, Oh yeah, it's perfect. So whenever I can't whenever I have to go corner my guide, you could just step in. So I stepped in for him and you know, we both became the MMA consultants on the show. Uh, you know, Nick Jonas, Matt Laria, Jonathan Tucker, Frank Gorillo. Um, you have some uh we had some girl fighters there, Natalie Martinez. Um we just we got a we ha, we got good people. We were our good actors. We were training that were dedicated to the sport of MMA, and uh, so to bring the authenticity in, you know, these guys kind of fully developed and consumed their life into the actor they were. Um, I was in charge of Matt Laurie to bring bring out the wrestling in them uh, because he was supposedly a, a, a Olympic wrestler, right? And, you know, just turned turned pro fight or you know was UFC champ. He went, you know, so we try to emulate him to fight like George St. Pierre, you know, with good wrestling, good striking, just well-rounded. So that was our job or my job to to try to portray that. And then, you know, Nick Jonas was the grappler. So Joe Daddy Stevenson, would, uh, who's a great grappler, would grapple with him every day. And, you know, uh, Frank Grillo had previous um, – he actually wrestled um, in high school and done, have – had done boxing and spent some time at Jackson's camp. So he already had a lot of knowledge of MMA. Um, he, uh, and then Jonathan Tucker played like a Muay Thai, like Conor McGregor type style of fighter. So it was fun to train these guys. And, um, they would, they actually would go to some of the wrestling tournaments that I was coaching at just to see what it was like for a wrestling tournament or go to the fights. They go to every one of my fights and, um, they would try to see what type of, what type of lifestyle we were living so they could, you know, um, and after they're, they, they fully sell into the character. It's pretty awesome to see. And, uh, you know, so they, they would, that was their homework was to come watch us or, you know, see how we live and, you know, just things like that so they could implement it into their acting or they would ask stories for us to tell them stories of our life. And Joe would tell them stories. Joe would tell them stories about fighting 
and how he would go party, lose all his money, and then have to go back and fight again to make more money. And so <laughs> they, they they implemented those stories into into the show that made it um, a reality, you know, almost a, like a reality where people could relate to. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously making things as realistic as possible for the guys that are hardcore, it appeals to them, and then yeah. for the guys that aren't or the people that aren't, they get to go, okay, this is what it's really like, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so that's that's awesome. So yeah, like the drug use and like you know, you start throwing tournaments out there. Like I was like, oh yeah, to say that you placed a couple times at the Midlands in college, or you know that you were, you know, hearing like, oh yeah, we dueled Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, and they have those little stories to tell. It makes you like, oh, dang, this is almost as real. <laughs> right, yeah. Those are the, the yeah, the little details that make everything feel so much more realistic. You're absolutely right. So, yeah. you, you know, one of the things that's interesting, you know, you and I have had a chance to hang out a little bit socially, but your your surroundings of guys like, you mentioned Joe Stevenson a couple times. I know you were just training with DT David Taylor, um, oh, yeah. and I know you are you're currently training with guys like TJ Dillashaw and Cub Swanson. What what does that do for your mentality to be surrounded by such levels of excellence? And obviously you're excellent too. I don't mean to apply you're not yeah. in that le- that level, but what does that help you do? Um, in terms of goal setting and, and mentality of training and things like that. Clear, you know, of, of like when you have someone in your hometown that, 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 you know, is an Olympian or had done big things, it makes your goals that you're setting out more, more realistic, you know. So, um, it's something that, you know, like I said earlier too, um, high, high school guys that are training with guys that are, in the U.S. Open right now, or, or that are on the U.S. team, I mean, and are guys that are national champs and they're in high school and they're training with them, it makes it realistic for them. So for me, being around these guys, being around the best guys I could find that are training partners and turn them into, you know, um, you know, family, brothers that I could train with and trust, um, you know, it makes, it makes my goal, goal sets that more realistic. You know, I never thought I was going to be able to be the first person in MMA to have three titles in three different divisions, let alone now I have four titles and in, in four different weight divisions. You know, it's unheard of in MMA. You know, boxing, you could be a four-time, five-time um, division champ, but MMA, because the weights are so spread out, uh, you don't really see that a lot. And so being around these guys, it just it sped up my career um, for technique-wise. Um, I started late. I started when I was 27 fighting, and now I'm 30. But now I have you know, in those three and a half, four years that I fought, I have uh, 19 fights, 18 fights under my belt. And now that some of the guys that I train with don't even have that many fights, and they're they've been in the they've been fighting longer than I have. So, yeah, when it, I first met you, your your schedule of fighting is crazy, man. I mean, you're fighting yeah. like every six to eight weeks, and you're bouncing up and down and in, in weight classes. And I definitely want to get into that. So, yeah. um, you know, but one of the things that I think is important, you know, is we talk about, you know, you've got four belts. I introduced, you know, it's basically 133 to 160. And yeah. when I first met you, you know, I was with a buddy of mine, Scott Cutberth, who you know, and we were in Kansas yeah. City. It was the weekend of the UFC Demetrius Johnson mm-hmm. fight. And yeah. uh, he just literally saw you walking, you know, down the street and grabbed you and we all hung out. And yeah. he was the one that kind of told me who, you know, your different weight classes. You certainly didn't brag to me about it, but. I'm an old school guy. And what I mean by that is I think and I'm trying to change my mind about this. But the way I was raised was, look, if you can make 135, you're a 135 pounder, you know. And I think that's a college mentality, right? Like, absolutely. You know, coaches recruit you at a weight. And, you know, I remember coaches were or kids were like, well, you know, I can wrestle up. And I'm like, nah. Like, you know, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. not really, bro. You know, yeah, like, yeah, you know, absolutely. you're probably not going to win that, you know. So, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's it's very, very interesting. Um, You know, explain to me and the listeners how you are able to be so successful at these multiple weight classes. Yeah. So when I started training, um, a guy that my dad went to high school with and uh, who was actually one of my mentors as well um, growing up 
wrestling. His name's Sam Calavita. Um, he, he wrestled here in Victorville as well. So he, he has a wrestling mind state. Um, but he actually educated himself, uh, in nutrition and in, uh, you know, weightlifting. He was actually one of the world's strongest men, uh, back in the nineties, you know, those tournaments and, uh, you know, uh, he kind of started having some, you know, carrying that much mass. And if your body's not ready for it, your heart's getting ready. They explode. So, you know, you got to kind of change your lifestyle. Wait, wait, back, so, up, back up. If you put on a lot of mass quickly, you're saying your heart is literally ready to explode? Yeah, because I'm. it's a muscle as well. So if you're taking in a lot of supplements and say if your body's, you know, your heart's a muscle. So. If you're if you're cranking out you know a bunch of weights here, you get too big too soon. Your heart and say if I was um say if I was a, a lighter weight and I I say if I'm what I am right now and I got up to 210 pounds just out of nowhere just from lifting yeah. probably doing steroids whatever. Sure. Um, you know my heart I'll have heart failure. That's why a lot of these um uh, weightlifters they you know they die of heart attacks or strokes. Um because their heart can't handle that much mass to pump that blood out or, you know, it's, it's working too hard and just, you know, I don't know. I'm not a cardi, uh, uh, cardiologist or anything. I don't, I don't, I'm not a heart doctor. So I don't know the, the true science behind it, but I know that a lot of people have heart failure, you know, that, that get too big, you know, a lot of these weight builders and bodybuilders. So, but he, cause he, he had symptoms of that. And so he had to change his whole lifestyle and now he does try out triathlons and Ironmans and uh and he started actually finding out like doing the biohacks of the body on um, being able to perform without taking um performing performance enhancing drugs um because cyclists and and marathon guys they're huge into uh tapping into the body and knowing how to how, how to rest and recover your body as well as pushing your functional threshold power and so he when I came back from Purdue uh, he's like, Hey, let me, let me, ha- let me work with you on, uh, your strength conditioning and, uh, you know, your, your, your meal plan and your, you know, your diet. And I was like, all right, perfect. You know, so we started doing some experimenting and, um, I told him I wanted to go 135. That was probably going to be my career choice. And so I started fighting at 135. It was a big cut for me. I wrestled at 141 in college. So the weight cut was pretty, um, you know, precise. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like it was down, like I, I got down probably to like 5% body fat, probably even 4% of just, you know, shredded. And, uh, but I, I never skipped a meal. He was, he's a calculus teacher. So everything is mathematically figured out for me. I, I don't even know the, the, the math behind it, let alone the science. Um, I would just, he would let me know what I needed to do, you know, training wise, you need to be in this zone, you know, yeah, I need you to wake up and get this much of a low base and I need you to wake up, eat this, make sure, you know, him and my wife, when he dealt with my wife on the nutritional end, okay. on, you know, fats, carbs, and proteins. So she had everything figured out and she, she my wife's awesome at like knowing which meat to eat, what, um, you know, what nutrition value I'll have if I had this type of meal after this practice or before this practice, if I ate the right, um, you know, uh, nutrients of, uh, you know, instead of eating, say I just wanted a salad before my practice, something to stay light. She'd be like, okay, she'd add extra stuff to, to give me the protein, the carbs, the fats and say, okay, this is going to give you energy in order to perform for this practice. And so that way, when I went into practice, I'm, I'm never, um, you know, being like, oh, man, I'm just trying to make it through this practice. I, once the engines start going, I start going, you know. Yeah. So and I'm, I'm more of a, a fuel efficient athlete now. Now my body's burning uh, the right amount of calories instead of saying, OK, I'm going to eat a cheeseburger. Then I'm going to go to practice. You know, <laughs> you're obviously going to have two different performances, eating fast food, then eating something that's prepared the right way. And that's going to fuel your body, you know. Right. So finding out that and, and um, you know, knowing how many calories I needed to eat throughout the day to lose weight. And let alone now, if I was wanting to gain weight, I had to eat a certain amount of calories a day with my supplements and, you know, taking them at certain times, which he, he's the mastermind behind Sam Calavita, the training lab of finding that out, knowing, okay, these supplements are for when you wake up, these supplements are, uh, you know, in, in after your workout or during your workout. And then this is right before you go to bed. 
uh, he he figured all this stuff out, you know, basically how to hack the hack my body, and he knows it better than I do now. Like he tells me, okay, I know when you practice the week of the the week of the fight, you're gonna lose ten pounds on Monday. Um, you know, with the water loss and everything. I'm like, hey, Sam, I lost. You know, I I came in at 148. Now I'm weighing, you know, 138. He's like, all right, perfect. I, I know exactly what your body's going to give me. Now he could start saying, add creatine, add this, you know, that because it's not going to it's not going to hold anything back because my body's so efficient and he's going to know which supplement to put in. That's all, you know, you saw to approve, water approved, you know, that we don't take anything illegal. And so that's why you see the success that you're seeing with David Taylor, you know, um, he, he started working with us as well. And we're being able to, you know, biohack the body the right way, the the way God uh, made it to be. So you're able to function at a high octane, you know, and you're able to, you know, last with your cardio. You're able to bump up in weight class and still have cardio because some, I mean, it was tough for myself. Also in David, you've seen some of his matches where when he bumped up, he was, he was gassing out a little bit. Um, you know, he was, he was, he was definitely tired, but that guy was just as tired, but now he's, he's, he was carrying the extra weight. So now it's learning how to condition that extra weight and being able to be as strong as everyone in that weight class. So a lot of training and, uh, training modalities we used, um, that helped us be able to perform at that level. Well, it's certainly interesting. Everything you said is really interesting. And you and I, when I first met you, you told me about some of this, and it was one of the reasons Mm -hmm. why I wanted to have you on the show. But, you know, your whole set of stuff, the ability to bump up between 135 to 160 and back down. And I remember you telling me, look, you know, this is why I need seven, eight weeks, nine, ten weeks notice for a fight. Like, I'll move up or I'll move down, but I've got to give Sam the time. You know, like you're the car. He's got to put the right gas, you know, put the right gas and oil and everything else in you so that you yeah. can perform at the level you want. The David Taylor yeah, thing is super interesting because, you know, 2016, you know, he's at the Olympic trials at 74 kilos, 162.8. And, you know, obviously Russell Well, you know, he's in that mix there with those guys or not. I'm sorry. He was at one there. But, you know, now he's a full blown 86 kilo, you know, 189 pound approximately guy. And he doesn't look small at all for the weight. And, you know, he still is able to perform at a really high level. So, you know, it sounds like, I mean, I think everybody that's serious about their sport, like you guys are, you know, they're, you know, probably don't need to chase them out of in and out burger and places like that. (laughs) Yeah. But, but, you know, I think this is a le- just a different level of education and a different level yeah. of commitment, right? Like, yeah, I mean, this guy's your secret weapon, more or less, right? Yeah, I mean, and it's just uh, getting a game plan together too. You know, it's just like when I was in college, if I could have utilized this when I was in college and actually had a game plan, you know, because wrestling, we're we're kind of Neanderthal when it comes to it. it's like, okay, make the weight. You know, I don't I don't know how you're gonna do it, but you're gonna do it. You know, if we got to keep you here and throw you in the sauna, we're gonna we're gonna lock that door to your own weight. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that every coach does that, but I'm I'm just giving people a visualization of how Neanderthal we are, or we were. Um, you know, when especially myself, because I tell my buddy, you know, just lock me in here until I yeah. until I'm on weight. You know, don't let me out. You know, it's, it's that type of mentality because we really want to make weight. And um, you know, some people say, well, why don't you just go up? It's just like because my better chances, um, you know, that weight class being cutting the weight and being uh, you know, somewhat sized up for my weight class. Like being a 41 pounder, I cut weight, but I still wasn't as strong as most of the guys on. Um, you know, like a Jimmy Kennedy or, you know, uh, um, uh, Kellen Russell, you know, those guys were still stronger than me. So I, I was on somewhat of a level playing field with my speed, but, you know, these guys were strong, you know? Yeah. So they're the best in the country. The so it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so now if I knew, and I would, when I was in college, I wouldn't eat the cafeteria food or the, um, you know, the food that, that was there at the school. I would still cook my own meals, but, you know, uh, Sam is, is so educated on what to put in the body. You know, I, I wish I could go in more detail, but there's already some guys trying to take his information, you know, and, and kind of being snakes about it, that guys that reached out to, for him to help, 
and you know they're trying to just steal his ideas without um compensating them for it so i can't go into too much detail on 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 his plans but you know we know what we're going to put into our body we know that the supplements we're getting are 100 percent of purity and not bastardized with the stuff that our body can't break down like everything we put into our body it, it, it's going to be utilized you know it's it's definitely going to have efficiency and and our body doesn't need to you know kick other stuff out in order to absorb the stuff we were taking in like the creatine a lot of people order creatine but there's so much other junk in it and it's like you know almost like uh bastardized with other with other stuff that doesn't need to be in there so he, he does his research on finding the purest uh form of supplements we could get that our mm-hmm. body could could break down right away and so you know no, knowing that what i know now and that's why we're able to blow up so uh, um from all the way up to 160 and be able to compete and be just as strong as those guys because you know we're having stuff that's being used right away in our muscles our we're no cycle our supplements um you know and being able to uh be efficient with it and you know putting the right nutrients you know sometimes you know bread's not the best option to put into your diet so uh you know we we eliminate that and you know we start having or, you know, uh, see, for instance, we're cooking with Teflon pans and, you know, I have, I, uh, you know, not knowing I did a hair dialysis test on me and I had high traces of arsenic and that came from, you know, the way I cook my food. And so finding the right pans to, to cook my meals in <laughs> where I'm eliminating, you know, the use of arsenic getting put into my system or, you know, uh, heavy tin or, you know, um, Calcium, too much iron, you know. Uh, okay, I got to cut cut back on using um, iron pans and start using more uh, different metal pans to, you know, balance out my system. You know, it comes to a T all the way. To, if you want to be the best best athlete in the world, you know, it comes down to that one two percent of what do I need to change in order to give my body that little extra push, that that extra twenty seconds to get the takedown or the extra ten seconds to defend off the takedown. You know, is you see people hit the wall and they, they they don't know how to function after that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I remember we were talking that night and you're telling me about these pans. And I was like, I remember talking to Scott. I'm like, man, I got to get this dude on the show. Like, this is crazy. You know, like, yeah. it, you know, the, that level of detail. So, yeah. um, you know, definitely don't want to try to, you know, I, I know how highly you think of Sam and what a difference he's made in your life, so don't you know want him to be compensated for all the great work he's doing. But I do appreciate you know you kind of diving into that um, and explaining that to the listeners because it's it's yeah. high level stuff. So yeah. you know right now you're in King of the Cage, and obviously your goal you know eventually along with you know most guys to start fighting is to be in the UFC or Bellator. And recently yeah. we saw your friend Aaron Pico take a loss to actually a St. Louis guy, a friend of mine, Zach Freeman. And, it, yeah. and obviously kind of in hindsight, maybe his first taking his pro fight, first pro fight at Madison Square Garden against the guy who's yeah. really a veteran in the sport, you know, wasn't the best idea. So I know you have a really specific thought process and plan on how to get to the next level. You know, what are your what is the the path look like for you? Yeah, so, so I took the route. I wanted to fight amateur, um, except no one's going to fight a Big Ten amateur, uh, a guy coming <laughs> out of the Big Ten and, <laughs> and line up and say, yeah, I'll fight that guy, you know? Yeah. Um, fighting is such like a prima donna sport sometimes, uh, when you're finding, finding opponents because you guys, you got, you got guys that have never, um, have done contact sports before. I just said, Oh, I saw this on TV. I, I want to do UFC. Instead of saying, Oh, I want to do MMA. They literally say, Oh, I want to do UFC and think they're going to get in the big right. show right away. Yeah. You know, it's just like, man, it's like, um, being in high or uh, in junior high, going to high school and saying, Oh, I'm going to go wrestle in the NCAA tournament. It's like, no, dude, you gotta, yeah, no, bro. You, you're not even going <laughs> to, you know, someone that comes in the wrestling room and says, Oh yeah, coach, I want to wrestle in the state tournament. You're like, Dude, do you know you have to wrestle the season? You have to wrestle league, CIF, Masters, then state. And yeah. so, you know, some of these fighters uh, that some people that turn fighters, they're, they're like that. You know, they want to they want to jump in right away to you know, unless because some people do have success with it, and uh, you know, so but you. For me, I, I know there's levels to everything. You know, I can't just um, play high school ball and say I'm going to go into the NFL. You know. Um, 
you know, so I took that mindset of like, okay, no one's going to do amateurs. So let me, let me get some more fights pro. And when I, everyone told me, oh, when you turn five and oh, that's when you want to go into the UFC. So I had that mind state, like, okay, I'm gonna go get five fights real quick. And then when I lost, it made me realize like, man, why am I in a rush to try to hurry up and do something that I want to make a career out of? I was like, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to get as much fights as I can. And, 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 um, you know, without, you know, build my, basically build my brand. I want to, I want to build a brand that's going to last for a lifetime, you know, and, and possibly more. And so I started saying, okay, there's going to be levels to this for me. So I want to start building myself up. And so when I took that mind state of it, the, the fear of losing went away right away. And then, and then, and every fight now I'm like, man, okay, this guy's not better than the guys that I wrestled in the big 10. These guys aren't better athletes than the guys I wrestled at NCAAs. And, and just started thinking, uh, telling myself that every day, just letting myself know where I was in college and where I was after college, you know, that I am a good athlete. You know, I wrestled in, in, in the big 10 and, and, the NCAA um, um, championships, there's no way these guys are better athletes than me. You know, I wrestled my whole life. I, I've competed against another person my whole life. So that took the fear of um, fighting. And, um, you know, because before I'm, I was like, well, you know, I want to fight a guy that's like this. I want to fight a guy like this. And then when I started telling myself, like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not a, another one of these fighters because another, like all these fighters are scared to take uh, the challenge, you know? And so I, I accepted the challenge and I started challenging myself to fight bigger guys and um you know and it and it just paid dividends so far of going step by step you know not looking towards the future just worrying about now so right now i'm just i got another fight coming up on december 4th um that's a tough guy who also wrestled his name's mark dickman i believe it was d2 or naia mark dickman wrestled uh, for me oh did he mark dickman wrestled for me at merrimack was a national runner-up and then was a national champion at lindenwood so that, oh, yeah. that so, is crazy you guys are fighting each other. Yeah, I actually just found that out um, yesterday. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that is crazy. So he's training out of uh, – and he's a great fighter too. He's fought for a while. You know, I think he's 12 and 2, 12 and 3. Um, you know, you know, great wrestler too. So now I'm, I'm up to that next level where I'm able to fight someone that's a wrestler like me that's a great fighter and uh, be able to test test the waters, you know. Yeah. Well, that'll be one where I just kind of got to cover my eyes because I'm <laughs> buddies with both of you guys. Yeah. Mark's like absolutely. my little brothers. That's crazy. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, the, what was crazy was we had him on the show too. Yeah. And, um, since since I built up since I built up my brand so high now and got stock in my name, um, people want to fight me in order to get to the next level as well. You know, there's there's you know people started asking to to. Now I don't have to go out and look for fights or pay, you know, because basically sometimes you got the promoter has to pay extra for for a wrestler to fight someone. Because say say if um let's see say if Nolf came out of uh, college right now and right. said I want to fight, yeah, um, and he was in like a lower and not in a big promotion, and say he went to like somewhere like a, a regional show, yeah, they would have to pay that guy like. You know, that guy would ask for, uh, instead of pay, getting paid 1500 and 1500 like 1500 to yeah, show, yeah. 1500 to win, he would ask for, like, 4000 to show and 4000 to win because they're like, that's a for sure loss. That's a NCAA champ. And, right. And so, and so that's what I had trouble with. And now since there's a price tag on my head by the upper – upper promotions like hey if you beat this guy it shows us that you're you're a real fighter and um uh, you know we'll give you a contract to the ufc or you know to bellator or to you know the professional fight league whatever it is you know so there's now i built up my brand to where people want to fight me in order to knock me off so they could take um you know what i've what i've earned you know or take take my throne basically you know sure and, you know, what's crazy is, you know, I'm thinking back on this, you know, we were all able to hang out that one night at Randy Couture's house, and you and Mark were there together with us. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we were there. Huh? Yeah, exactly. So. I forgot who was there, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was a fun night. So, yeah. Well. And, and the cool thing was, is like, the cool thing with wrestlers as well, um, when it's fighting, uh, for us, it's just like, you know, let's go make some money together. We did this before. We We've wrestled against each other and knocked each other out of the NCAA tournament or the Big Ten tournament. You know, why not go make money together, you know? Yeah. And, you know, of course, it, there's different stakes at that line, you know, with getting knocked out or getting chunked out or getting beat. And, you know, it's your career. But at the same time, 
it's an honor to fight, you know, guys like that are, you know, your friends, um, you know, it's, everyone looks at it like, uh, well, I trained with you. Why, the heck? Why do you want to fight me? You know, it's like, dude, are you kidding me? We trained once. Like, yeah. And you asked me, to, you know, just so you can say that you don't want to fight me. So you come and train. It's weird, man. MMA, they, they have a different mentality than wrestlers. That's why wrestlers shine. They don't care. They're like, step up and I'll fight. And then yeah. You go for a beer after everything. It's interesting. I run, I've run charity events with MMA guys and with wrestlers, the Missouri Border Brawl. And what's interesting is the the fighters are always like, well, look, I only want to fight somebody ranked above me. And you have to explain to them that no one would ever fight, you know, because yeah. somebody has to be ranked lower. And the yeah. funny thing in wrestling is, you know, I ask these kids to wrestle in these events and they're all like, yeah. And they don't even ask who they're wrestling. You know, they're like, yeah. I, I want to wrestle. I'm going to fight it. You know, I'm going to wrestle a great guy. I'm going to support a great cause. You know, I get some cool swag. I get to be, you know, on track wrestling, you know, things like yeah. that. Like the mentality is so different. And those yeah. guys that wrestled the transition over to fighting, I think one of the big advantages they have is that mentality. So, yeah, yeah for sure. And well, I think where a lot of the wrestlers lose it too is um, they want to be these standard fighters like me. Like I still go. And, uh, you know, I was out in, in Kentucky with Chris Flieger um, right after my, like the day after my fight, uh, my, my last fight, I went out to the uh, University of Cumberland and got to wrestle with this whole team, um, got to get back to my roots. You know, I, I love to do that. Right before my fight, I'll wrestle for like a week or two to get back to my roots. And then I'll, uh, you know, and then I, uh, and, and, and then right after my fight, I go back and wrestle with, you know, again for another week or two, just so I could keep my roots under me and not lose who I am as a fighter. You know? For sure. Yeah. Well, look, man, I really appreciate you taking so much time with me today. I know, you know, you know, we've talked about doing this for a while. I appreciate you coming on the show. And, yeah, uh, for me. you know, best of luck to, to TJ and Cub and David and you and, um, yeah. you know, I, I know I don't know when I'll see you next, but I know for sure it, at the very least it'll be uh, Las Vegas. Um, oh, yeah. You know we have to we we'll have to circle back and make that a tradition. You know. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a great time. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on the show. Thanks to your listeners, listeners for tuning in. Really appreciate them and uh, the time you gave me. No worries, ladies and gentlemen. That was Juan Archuleta, King of the Cage champion at four different weight classes. This is David Maritani with Matt Chat. We'll speak to you all next week. This show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.